Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. 318. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal himself live and in broadcast color here this morning. How are you, sir? I'm well, Chris, and how are you this morning? I'm doing fine and dandy, fine and dandy. Everything is copacetic, as they like to say, right? (laughs) There you go, there you go. Wow, let me tell you, we have so much to talk about today, Chris. Okay. I mean, there is just so much financial news out there and wondering and all kinds of things. I I was sitting here in the studio a little while ago going, well, where do we begin? Uh You know, just going down the list and the list and the list, and there's just more to it. So, well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. Again, I'd like to welcome our listeners in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area on WAVA 105.1 FM, as well as our national audience on Sirius XM Family Talk 131, border to border and coast to coast, (laughs) as you like to say sometimes, Chris. Yes, sir. Yep, for those of you that are new to the show, uh, live call-in, biblically-based financial planning talk show with any questions at all, any subject matter that you have, any questions regarding estate planning, taxes, insurance, investments, investment strategies, the economy, the Fed, the tariff talk, all kinds of things. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123 or 855-767-3123. Well, I'd like to start off each week with what just happened the past week in the markets and sort of take a look down the road and around the corner to what we could be expecting a little bit next week. You know, year to date, the markets are doing well in spite of the sell-off we've had this past week due to, to, due to um, you know, not clear directions on what's happening with the trade talks with China, and we'll get into that. But right now, year-to-date, this is through Friday, May 10th, the close of the market. The Dow the Dow is actually up t- a little over 12% for the year. The NASDAQ, the tech-heavy NASDAQ's up over 19 and the S&P 500 is up just shy of 16% at 15.77. By all measures, pretty good year so far, right? So we've given up two or three percentage points this past week, mainly because of the the uh, trade talks and, 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 you know, lack of clear direction on what's happening there. And we're going to break that down today. But basically, you know, Friday, the, the U.S. Uh, upped its tariffs because China, at the last minute, decided to renegotiate and change some things around. So so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. I want to give us a little lesson on, on tariffs and, and what's going on. And, but before we do that, let's understand that, that 
there, there's two types of news. Well, there's many types of news, but, but there's two, two scenarios that we really need to pay attention to. And one is sort of th- what we would look at as circumstantially positive or circumstantially distressed information in the markets versus structural structurally distressed or structurally enhanced in the in in the economy and right now we have a circumstance that's distressing the markets a little bit and that circumstance is you know what's happening with china trade what's going on with all of that and when you take a look at it you know the the uh, uh, the U.S.-China trade talks um, didn't break down. They just said, hey, wait a minute. We decided we're going to re- redo this from what China is saying. So then the U.S. added some tariffs to apply pressure. So let's go in and take a look at tariffs and, and, and talk about how they are sitting on top of our economy. You know, right now we're still in the middle of earnings season, which is very interesting because corporate earnings that are being reported for the first quarter, January, February, March, are being recorded now, April, May, and June. And 90% of them have reported, and and earnings are up, you know, a little over, uh, more so than they expected. So we're looking at having an earnings season of about 5.3%, which is pretty strong in light of of, uh, what everybody thought earnings would be this year. And then estimates in the next few quarters look to be uh, in increasing on top of that. So, you know, we're throwing around a lot of numbers out there, Chris. We're throwing around millions. We're not even throwing around millions <laughs> anymore, right? We're throwing Lots around billions, right? Maybe not even billions, you know. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're throwing around trillions, right? Lots trillions of, of dollars. And, and, you know, so I want to I wanna go ahead and, and break that down and talk about it. But uh, so, so we've got some callers on the line. First, I want to get to your questions because this is your show with, with your questions. And then we'll come back and we're going to talk about the tariffs and things. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome, um, oh, what is uh, Brent on the line. Good morning, Brent. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Well, I have a universal life policy that I've been paying into for years. And the cash value of that policy had accumulated such that I withdrew money from that cash value. I don't believe that money is taxable. It was post-tax money that was paid into the account. And I left a large amount of cash in that policy. So, therefore, monies are still there. Um, any Sure. When you put money into a permanent policy, whether it's a whole life policy or, in this case, a universal life policy, and then you you build up cash value into it or equity in the policy, and then you go to borrow money out of the policy, what you do, the first money that comes out is called a withdrawal to your basis. In other words, let's suppose over the course of the years you've put in $10,000 into the insurance policy, and now it's worth fifteen, and you decide to take $2,500 out. That's a withdrawal of your cost basis, the first ten. Anything above the ten, let's suppose you took 11000 out, you would withdraw your cost first, which is tax-free because that's a return of after-tax principal, and then anything over and above that would switch over to a loan, and loans are not taxable. So the money in, that you've pulled out is not taxable as long as the policy stays in force. If at some point down the road the policy were to lapse and go out, okay, default, then any earnings that you pulled out will be taxable to you in that year. That's the way it works. Okay. Do I get a statement from the insurance company 
Yes, you'll get a you'll get a, at least an annual statement on a universal policy that that shows that to you, and you can actually call them and discuss it with them uh, on the phone as well. Well, I, I do know that I get an annual statement from them. I'm just wondering whether or not I get some type of uh, form that has to be filed with the IRS. No, not unless the policy lapses because there's no tax due on there. Okay, very good, very good. So basically, I'm. Yep, don't need to worry about it. Okay, thank you very much. Worry-free show today. There you go, Brent. (laughs) I like it. I like it. (laughs) All right, appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. So let's break down the the, the tariff talk a little bit more here. and 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 really get into these numbers that are being thrown around millions and billions and trillions and just to put things down in perspective okay just in perspective a million seconds chris is equal to 11 and a half days a million seconds is equal to 11 and a half days a billion with a b a billion seconds is equal to 31 and three quarter years. <laughs> a billion seconds is equal to 31 and three quarter years. A trillion seconds is equal to 31,000 years. A trillion seconds, think about that, is equal to 31,710 years. So we're talking about huge amounts of dollars, right? So, so now when you stop and you take a look at a 25% tariff, on $200 billion, in the scheme of our economy being $21 trillion, it's not that big an amount of money. <laughs> oh, then when I you don't look know at it, on, When you look at it on a global perspective of an $80 trillion global economy, it's really not that big of a perspective. I just, I'll just right? take, a, I'll take a half of a percent of that. I'm sure you will. Now, my point is, you know, not to belittle that cost could go up but let's break this down on how this works and then we want to get into this because this is important you know everybody was anticipating friday the markets would collapse and they actually closed positive okay so so i'm not saying that this is good by any means at all i'm not saying that what i'm simply saying is i just want to teach and educate how this really plays out you know the consumer our consumer the u.s consumer last year spent 14 trillion dollars Fourteen trillion dollars. When you break that down, that is a massive amount of money. And you're talking about a 25 percent tariff on 200 billion dollars of goods. Which, by the way, our exports to China is only 19 percent of our GDP. So if they tariff our stuff up on what we're exporting to them, it's really not going to hurt us from that standpoint. We really hold the cards in this. So now let's go take a look further here at at how the tariffs work because people are saying well wait a minute here you know the consumer pays for it no china pays for it what's happening how does this really break down so let's just pretend for a second we're just going to boil this down in a very simple way okay when are tariffs paid pa- tariffs are paid at port of entry so right now there's a bunch of ships floating around the ocean that are coming to the US those ships aren't getting this tariff it's the ones that leave port after may 1st get the tariffs so let's suppose we order a coffee cup and the coffee cup costs a dollar now that coffee cup could cost a dollar twenty-five so that extra twenty-five cents at port of entry goes to the treasury department and now 
the store that we go buy the coffee cup from charges us a dollar twenty-five, and then the American consumer pays an extra quarter for that coffee cup. In that scenario, right, twenty-five percent more. However, what would happen if on the other side, where they're exporting, they decide, you know what? We have such a large manufacturing base, such a large exporting nation, we can't afford the risk for the American consumer to say, yeah, I'm not buying the coffee cup. So they decide that they want to go ahead and and lower the price at port of entry so that the American consumer still pays that same dollar. That's what we're talking that's what people are talking about when they say China's going to pay for this. Or the American consumer is going to pay for it. Or perhaps they might lower the price at port of entry or, or, or at exporting and say instead of it being $1.25, it might end up being $1.10. But if the American consumer can go find that coffee cup for $1.20 somewhere else, then that hurts China's manufacturing base. And that's what this is about right there. So will they reduce the price on all these goods or not? That's what's happening. Now, China has, has – or people have indicated that maybe they're going to start tariffing our, our, our uh, 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 produce, you know, because well, what does America uh, export, Chris? We export protein, basically, mm-hmm. farms, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so, th- so, so we have as, – as America, we have been subsidizing farmers for many, many decades, and we'll probably continue to do so. Now, I know a lot of them don't like that, but, but – but that's just kind of where things are right now. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this stuff plays out and, and you know, going forward with, with all the tariffs. But that's the way it sort of breaks down. And, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, we are – America is the consumer for the world. And does it really matter if you're, if you're drinking out of the coffee cup made from, from Taiwan or made from China or made in Mexico? It doesn't really matter, right? We just want our coffee cup. <laughs> That's right. Okay? We want our little widget when, when, when we uh, really, really want but it. Yours so. will be pink. You know, you yes, know. there you go. Yeah. Hey, so we've got some callers on the line. I appreciate you all holding while I was doing that. Let's go help, uh, ahead and welcome Jerry on the line from Tennessee. Good morning, Jerry. How are you today? I'm wonderful, thank you. And how are you, sir? I'm well. How can I help you? No, they will not. The life ins- life insurance proceeds are 100% income tax-free to the beneficiary. Okay. That was a very simple question with a simple answer. Thank yep. you so much, and have a great day. Okay, Jerry. Let me, let me just take it one step further for you. Now, if you have an estate worth, let's say, $400,000, and you have a $100,000 life insurance policy, that life insurance policy is included in your gross estate because you own it, but the beneficiary still receives the $100,000 tax-free. It's only if today your estate's over $11 million single and $22 million married do you have to worry about that. And if that's the case, then we would put the life insurance into an irrevocable trust, and then it wouldn't be taxed to your estate. But the heirs are going to receive the money completely tax-free. Okay. And they only have to pay a state tax if it exceeds. Right now, if it exceeds twenty-two million dollars married and eleven million and some change single. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. 
Yep, appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's shoot on over to Texas and welcome David on the line. Good morning, David. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. My question is, do you think that there's any chance the U.S. is going to monetize gold and silver, or is that just hype uh, being put out there by the gold and silver sellers? I think the latter. I think uh, we are more in a digital scenario right now. Um, and I, I, I don't think that that would be the case at all. You know, it, it, gold is an asset class, and there's nothing wrong with having gold or silver or precious metals at all. And the purpose of them is to be a hedge against inflation. When we see inflation rising, precious metals tend to do pretty well. You know, they, they, they really do. But let me ask you this question. If somebody was trying to sell you gold and they were saying that your dollar will become worthless, why do they want to give you their gold in exchange for your dollars? Yeah, I don't think that they're saying that, that it's going to be worthless. It's just that there would be an opportunity to not only make money on the spread, the difference between what you buy it for and sell it for, you could also make interest on it at the bank, supposedly. And that's somewhat attractive because I do like to invest in gold and silver, um, just as, like you said, as a hedge against inflation. Sure. There's nothing There's nothing wrong with it. It is an asset class. And, you know, from time to time, David, we, we will have precious metals in our portfolios, and, and, and we won't, just like we might have small-cap stocks, or we won't. You know, it just, just depends on how you're reading the tea leaves in the economy. One of, the, one of the, 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 the challenges that I've always found with precious metals is you really can't model them because they don't pay a dividend. <clears throat> they just go up and down based off the spot price. Um, so I like things that pay a little bit of a dividend as well. However, in times of inflation, they, they you know, usually do well. So, But I, I haven't heard of, of what you were talking about as far as that goes. All right. Well, thanks so much. And in reference to tariffs, hey, whatever they charge us, that's what we should charge them. They don't I would agree. Us. Yep. You know, zero to zero would suit me just fine. I would agree. Let's compete on the world stage, definitely. Okay, David. Right, thanks, I pre- buddy. Appreciate you. Yep, you too. Have a great weekend. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com, for all the latest information on the radio show and and, uh, the estate planning and and all kinds of of, uh, uh, resources out there. Let's welcome Kay on the line from, from Maryland. Good morning, Kay. How are you today? I'm well and yourself, Larry. How can I help you? I um, wanted to find out. I actually had like $20,000 I turned to gold and silver, and it's in a vault. And I don't have access to it, or it's not making any money. So I wanted to find out how would I change that scenario. Well, Kay, if you wanted to cash it in and get out of it, then, then you, would, you would go to one of the people that, that buy and sell gold. Um, Newsmatic um, uh, Association. You can look up Newsmatic. Um, I don't know what type of gold it is. If it's if it's bars or coins or whatever, but it it you know it's not making money from the standpoint of a dividend, but it is going up or down based off the price of gold. So there okay. are there are places you know sort of like a gold exchange. They're all over TV, or you can Google it up. I, I just don't have any references here in the studio to to give you. Uh, that that uh, you can go go sell it. 
Okay. Well, would I um, talk with them? They said I could come look at it, but I, I don't have a need to look at it. But I'm just thinking, um, what should I, I'm, I don't want to sell it. I, I do want to, like, but you explained it. So as long as it's sitting there, it's still making money, and I can sell it at any time. Yes, you can. You just got to sell it through a gold, gold, you know, a gold type of an exchange, and and it is making money just based off the price going up or down. Okay, okay. So it's it's not really um, liquidity or flexible because I can't change. Yeah, you can't go to the store. If you if you took a dollar gold coin into the store today, and let's suppose it was worth twelve hundred dollars because it was an ounce. Okay, twelve thirteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. They're only going to give you a dollar's worth of goods for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you'd have gotcha. to sell it to get to turn it into you know dollars, turn it into greenbacks, and then you'd get the twelve, thirteen hundred dollars that it's worth. Okay. Okay. Good Absolutely. So Appreciate the phone mm-hmm. call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring again at eight five five Rose one two three. We're going to take a quick break. Keep the phone lines open. Any questions that you have at all this afternoon or this morning? Um, estate planning, insurance, the stock market, trade, tariffs, whatever it may be. Give us a ring. Your investments plans at eight five five Rose one two three. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more of your Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Here's a quick tip for you. Remember, it's time in the market not necessarily timing. Stay away from lots of buy-sell transactions. Find quality, buy it and hold it until the quality goes away or your investment objectives change. It's time in the market, not necessarily timing. If you'd like more information on proper investing, then go visit my website at LarryRosenthal.com or simply give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. That's 855-767-3123. You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, there's some numbers available for you and some lines. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, your financial and retirement expert here in studio here today. Larry. All right, Chris. Well, let's get back to it here a little bit. Um, you know, hey, we were. Uh, I want to do a part here on on steps in a financial plan and 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 stuff. But before we do that, let's let's frame this out and and understand again whose money this is, whose assets these are, and what our purpose is. You know, the the great commission that we have. But Proverbs fifteen sixteen says, "Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil." Think about that. You know, we talk about money and assets and growing assets for retirement planning, estate planning, college funding, and, and, and all of that. And it's very easy to get, you know, 
sort of pulled over into man's world of he or she who dies with the most toys wins, and that's really not not the way that we need to be thinking about this, you know. So, so I think God gives us great wealth with peace, you know, peace in our heart, and and uh, uh, you know, they Proverbs also say 10, health 22. is wealth, right? So health is important there too. Yeah, Proverbs ten twenty two says the you know the blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and He adds no trouble to it. And so, you know, let's define wealth. What what are we talking about wealth? You know, I mean, uh, living forever in heaven with the Lord. You know, that's that's pretty good when when you stop and think about that. So, what is the purpose? What I was talking with somebody not too long ago about, you know, they're they're thinking about retiring and and wondering what they're going to do and should they keep working and and what what you know what do they want to do? And you, you know, you you break it down. There there there's a great book out there by Bob Buford um, called. Uh, uh, halftime and it's you know what are you going to do in the second half of your life you know what what how are you going to use the the resources that the lord's given you to move forward and 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 things like that in you know to put it back into his kingdom uh for his glory you know it's it's you know it's very interesting conversation when you when you're doing that in a financial plan and, and working with people you know and all, all all scenarios so, so give us a call and let me know what your thoughts are on on that how do we how do we go about using these these resources for the Lord? You know, all different ways, tithing, gifts, you know, missions, time, knowledge, mentoring, all different ways. Think about that. One of the things that I want to talk about last week, uh, which we, we didn't get to, so I, I brought it in the studio this week, too, are the steps in building a financial plan. This disturbs me a little bit because oftentimes we'll see a new client come into one of our offices and sit down with either myself or one of our advisors, and, and you know, we, we ask them, you know, have you ever done a financial plan? They say, oh, yeah, I got that done. That's not a problem. Great. Do you have a copy of it? Well, no, I, I, I did it in 2013. Or I did it in 2010, or I did it in 2015. I said, well, wait a second. Why is the plan old? What's the story? Well, one and done, right? Yeah, one and done. Well, the you know, the, the advisor said, you know, well, here's the plan, and then they just started working. And and, and that I, I see that. We see this often. And, you know, one of the most important steps in the financial plan is the last step, and that is monitoring and adjusting the plan. You know, your, your, your goals and your ideas in most places, most, most people, your thoughts about it all have changed over the last four or five years. So, so today let's sort of drill down and how to construct, uh, you know, uh, the proper way to build a financial plan. The, the first thing is you, is you need to gather up the information, all your assets, liabilities. When you're sitting down with your advisor, as a matter of fact, I have a, 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 a video on my website, LarryRosenthal.com, that, that sort of explains this. You can go there. It's right on the first page. It's about 90 seconds long. You want to gather the, your information, then establish your goals. What are your goals? What do you want to try to accomplish? Well, people say, well, okay, I want to retire. I want to put the kids through college. I want to retire and then travel the country in an RV or whatever it is you want to do, okay? So so how do we go about doing that? Do we have short-term money, mid-range, and long-term money? What about tax efficiencies? What about liquidity? You know, somebody was talking, uh, one of the callers earlier was talking about her gold, and she realized, you know, yeah, it goes up and down, but it's not liquid. In order to make it liquid, you have to sell it. So, so we need to have liquid money available for opportunities, for different things, you know, that, that we need to purchase and, and pay for during, during the course of life, if you will. So, so gather up the information, assets, liabilities. Spend some time thinking about your goals. What do you want to accomplish? 
How much risk are you willing to accept? Analyze your situation. This is where you, you draw a line in the sand and, and basically ask, hey, if I keep doing what I've been doing, where am I going to be down the road? Am I going to accomplish the goals that I've set forth in this plan? How does it look? Develop a plan in order to do that. And, and when you start developing this plan, a couple of the questions that you need to be asking yourself and ask your advisor. And if you're not working with an advisor or you want a second opinion, go ahead and shoot us off an email. We'd be happy to give you this information. You know, what are your strengths to accomplish the goals that you want to do? What are your weaknesses that will preclude you or impede you from accomplishing the goals that you want to do? You know, maybe you say, hey, I just keep spending money. I'm just a spender. You know, well, well, how do we fix that? Maybe you just say, you know, I, 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 you know, whatever the goals are, analyze yourself. What are the strengths and weaknesses that you possess to, to either make the, the goals uh, happen, the plans happen or not? And then implement. How do, you, how do you go about implementing? Sometimes you have to change investments. Sometimes you have to change strategies. Sometimes you have to even change checking accounts. Who knows? There's all different scenarios there when it, when it comes down to it. You know, one of the things that, that I've seen people do over the years, just a very simple thing, very, very simple thing, and, and that is at the beginning of every year, just increase your savings by 1%. That's all. I've had so many people report back to me over the years and saying, you know, that I was always worried about doing that, Larry, but, but it has paid off handsomely over the years. Just increase your savings by 1% each year. You, 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 trust me, you will most likely not miss it if you just say, all right, well, I'm saving you know, $5,000 a year. I'm going to increase it by 1% each year. That's you know not a lot of money, right? It's fifty dollars over the course of a year. So 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 look at trying to increase the savings there, and then the most important part of the financial plan is monitoring and adjusting. And this is where it comes down to, you know, backing into how many years to college. You know, when there's a, when there's a, 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 a you know a a, uh, uh, a new birth in the family. Okay. When there's a new birth in the family, I was working with somebody the other day who had uh, a brand-new grandchild, and they were talking about saving money for college. And I said, yeah. I said, you have 216 months to go. <laughs> and they said, what? <laughs> I said, well, 216 months, uh, and then the child will be 18, going <laughs> off to college. And they just looked at me like, wow. It's like when somebody said, sells yeah. you a car. You That's only have, exactly right. You only you have know? 84 months left to pay for that car. <laughs> right, right. But but when you stop and you look at the cost of college there put into a financial plan, and, and we're, we're seeing all kinds of dynamics now. We're grandparents helping to pay for kids, you know, grandkids' college along with the parents. We're seeing parents helping to support uh, elderly parents in, 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 in – or their parents, excuse me, in while they're retired. So all different types of scenarios are happening out there because, you know, people are living longer, money's tight – cost of goods have, have gone up over the years, and one of the problems that, that we've had over the last you know, nine or ten years is that wages have not kept pace with inflation, and, and now we're finally starting to see wages in, in the last year rise, which is a good thing, but at the same time, make sure that you're monitoring your financial plan. It's very, very important to, to do that. And most people do not have one. So go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and check it out. If you want to get a, 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 uh, our financial planning toolkit, 
We have sent out thousands, tens of thousands of these over the years. We have a financial planning toolkit. There's no cost for it at all. You can go to our website, LarryRosenthal.com, shoot us off an email, and just ask very simply for the financial planning toolkit, and we will send it out to you. It's going to cover all these steps that we just basically broke down uh, for you to develop a financial plan. Because if you want to, you know, first of all, we have to figure out where our finish line is, what it looks like, and and how we're going to go about accomplishing it. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We got to keep the phone lines open. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning or investment questions, any subject matter at all. It's open mic Saturday. I love open mic Saturdays, Chris. So uh, whatever subject matter you have, let's just throw some out there. Roth conversions. Um, Retirement plans, IRAs, the government TSP, your insurance, estate planning, whatever it may be, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. If you have questions on the economy, dial us up, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal, and we'll be back in a moment with more of your Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for, the dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the Financial Planning Toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Got some lines available for you. If you'd like to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, you can dial right now, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Larry. So in continuing, <coughs> excuse me. So in continuing down the road of building the financial plan, we we sort of talked about the basics of trying to accumulate. Now let's turn it around and and let's look back in the rearview mirror, Chris, and see where we've been and and what we've done. Now we're going to be talking about legacy planning or estate planning, steps in the estate planning. Just some basic fundamental questions to be asking yourself about the estate planning process and and a lot of people get very you know shell-shocked and confused about this because then you start talking about wills and trust and and different things of that nature and <clears throat> understanding these steps in a state one of the questions that you need to be asking basically is is who owns what right now 
In other words, you and your spouse, you have a house maybe, and it's titled probably joint tenants with rights of survivor. What happens if you pass? What happens if one of you becomes uh, disabled? What happens if, if you have to go into a nursing facility? Who's going to get what and how? And that all breaks down off of how things are titled. So uh, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll come back to that in just a moment. I want to I uh, welcome Jan on the line from Michigan. Good morning, Jan. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Um, recently, my mother passed away, and I've inherited some some inheritance. And at this point, I know that I'm going to have about $60,000 of additional tax money for this upcoming year. But my question is, is um, one of the accounts that she had is a non-qualified IRA, which I'm, I'm going to be turning 60. I'm going to have to do something with that. My financial advisor is recommending I pull it all out and move it into a different type of account to earn, you know, earn money in the future. And my other option is, is to take a payout over the next 5, 10, lifetime, that type of concept. I'm struggling with the concept that it's about $100,000. And I'm struggling with that concept of having that additional taxable income. My financial advisor says I'll make it up over before I retire in the market. So, so Jan, here's the scenario. First of all, I'm I'm sorry to hear about your loss. Okay. Thank you. The when when money goes from IRA type money, whether it's traditional or non-deductible, like you just said or non-qualified the way you, you called it. When money goes from one spouse to another, there's really no tax issues. The tax issue, the tax burden happens when money goes from a, uh, one person to a non-spousal beneficiary, and that's the case here. As a non-spousal beneficiary, you have three choices. You ha the first choice is to pull all the money out and pay tax in a lump sum, the second choice is to take the money out over a five-year distribution. Or if your beneficiary form was filled out correctly, and it sounds like it may have been, then you can take what's called the Lifetime Tax Advantage Stretch IRA. Now, with your advisor telling you to cash it all out, pay the tax, and, oh, you'll make it up over time, the other side of that equation – I don't agree. The other side of that equation is, well, what happens if you – cash it all out and you pay and you owe let's say twenty thousand dollars in taxes just to make it up well here's my question what happens if you just simply keep the money invested where it is and add twenty thousand dollars to a new investment because it's the same math I, I don't believe that you'd come out ahead because one investment when you're doing an analysis like this you have to assume the same rate of return and the money is sitting inside this IRA account right now guaranteed to grow tax deferred for you so you can change the investments around inside that IRA. So here's what here's what I would say that that you need to do, Jam. I would say take the money over the life payment, okay, which is which is the lifetime tax advantage stretch IRA. I just taught a seminar on this just last week. And and it is it is I'm sorry, actually earlier this week. It it it, it gives you the ability you, you have to take a required minimum distribution each year, but the rest of the money 
grows tax deferred. So let's you said there's a hundred thousand dollars in there. Let's just assume that the IRS schedule says based off of your age or your mom's age or whatever we're gonna use, let's say you have to take out five thousand dollars a year. Now you have to pay taxes on that five thousand, but the other ninety five thousand still grows tax deferred inside the IRA, right? Correct. Now, if you don't like the investments that's in there, or suppose you don't like where the investments are held, you can simply open up what's called an inherited IRA at another institution and roll the money over, transfer the money over from the old institution to the new institution. There's no tax on this, and now you can choose almost any investment that you want. The rule is you just need to take your required minimum distribution each year. That's the the way that I would go about doing it because why would you cash it all out pay a voluntarily unnecessary tax when you don't have to because your investments can be anywhere you want inside the inherited IRA the only catch to this is we need to ask the existing institution where your money is if they allow for a beneficiary which is you to roll the money over tax deferred some of them do and some of them don't if they don't then you'd have to cash it all out and pay tax if you wanted to move it. However, I'd recommend you keeping it there because what's the most expensive thing in investments? Taxes. And you're looking at ordinary income taxes. You're looking at you know somewhere in the, in the area of 25%. That's a big hit. So that's the way that I would go about doing it. Does that kind of make sense? I threw a lot at it you does, there. Uh, it does <laughs> make sense. Um, I cannot roll it over into another institution. I have checked into that. Um, okay. I either have to cash it out or leave it with them. I can take a five-year or a ten-year or I can take how many years I want for the payout. Okay, then then look at the investments that's inside there. And let's see what we can, you know, let, let's see what the investment choices are before we go ahead and cash it all out and pay taxes on it. And I don't believe you're going to make it up, Okay. Uh, that's just my opinion. If you want, I'll put you on hold. I'll have one of our advisors give you a ring next week and step through the details with it of it with you if you want. Um, that would be great. But I appreciate your help. I've really been leaning against cashing it all out. It just didn't make sense to me. No, it does not at this point. Not unless there's something on the statement form that that I'm not aware of that that I'm not uh, understanding on the radio call here. So I'll put you on hold, and we'll have somebody give you a ring. And, uh, Bob, if you can just make a note, they need help with a stretch IRA. Um, I'll go ahead and have somebody give you a ring, Jan, okay? Thank you so much. You have a great day. Absolutely. You too. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Sandra on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Sandra. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my husband's listening on the road as he's driving to work, so this will be interesting. Hi, husband. Um, <laughs> he, um, he'll be retiring. He has already one retirement, and he'll be retiring from the federal government after five years. The plan is in January 2020, so coming up fairly soon. He will be 67 and a half. Um, he's been talking about starting to take his Social Security when he turns 68, July of 2020, instead of waiting until... 70 and a half just because we don't know how long we'll all live and so i was just wondering because i am nine years younger um so i would possibly be leaving with him um because i've been at my job for 30 plus years and we have grandchildren and such so um we're trying to think you know 
how that all comes into play in terms of Social Security, you know, getting it at two, two years earlier than most people normally would get it. So, uh, Sandra, the normal age, the, the most popular age for people to take Social Security is 62, actually. Okay. Oh, so, uh-oh. Yep. He probably just pulled over to the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> so no worries, but he's been working, so that's okay. Yes, yes. So here's the deal on Social Security. If you wait to 70 to take it, then they will pay you the most that you're eligible for. There's no doubt about it. Right. However, if you're going to retire and stop working, and let's suppose Social Security is going to pay you, just to do math easy here to illustrate, <clears throat> let's say they're going to pay you $1,000 a month uh, when, when he retires at 68. And you go, you know what, I'm going to wait till I'm 70 so that I get um, $1,118 a month, all right? Um, now you're 68 and you've got to take $1,000 a month out of your savings and investments to help you live. Right. That makes no sense to, to me at all. The calculator will tell you every time just about to take the Social Security now because you can't pass Social Security on to heirs. You can only pass the principal of your investments on to heirs. Okay. So, so, and then on top of that, after you go, after you look at the calculator, now you're going to take a look at, well, what's my break-even point? And from 68 to 70, your break-even point is probably in your latter 70s, 76, 77, 78 years of age. Okay. What is your health going to be like at that particular point? In other words, are you going to turn around and go, well, Larry, I'm 78 years old now. I wish I would have waited till I was 70 to start my Social Security because that extra couple of hundred dollars a month is going to enable me to travel the world. Right. Um, <clears throat> we're not talking about a lot of money here when it, when it comes to that, but the real answer is, you know, we 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 do that. We do what's called a social security timing exercise with all with all of, with our clients when it comes to the point of taking making your social security selection. From what you're telling me here, I would probably look at going to take it at 68 without crunching the numbers. But if you want, you know, we'll be happy to, to crunch some numbers for you to, to, to help you down the, the, the decision road on that. But that's probably and, the way it's going to play out for you. And by this way, I could also w wait till I was old. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be able to take Social Security when he retires because I'll be younger. But I could wait and take mine later. Or when I hit full retirement age, can I still take part of his? Yes. Okay. Yep, but you'll meanwhile, have we're not, I'm not work. If I don't work, my benefit kind of diminishes a bit because I don't have those last few years of working. Right. It's a 35-year uh, average is what it is. Okay. All right. Well, I've, I've plugged in about 31, so I'm getting Good for close. you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, I think that answers my question, and I'm sure I'll, he'll be calling me as soon as I hang up. Okay. Would you so like us to send you out some information on the Social yeah. Security timing? Yeah, that would be great because I know it really changed for spousal benefits in 2017, and that kind of threw everything for a lot of people in our predicament, you know. It did. Yep, it did. Yeah. So let me put you on hold, and we'll have somebody reach out to you with Social Security information, okay, Sandra? Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. Again, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Check out our... Uh, radio archives, our educational section, as well as our financial plan there on the front page. Let's welcome Judy on the line from Ohio. Good morning, Judy. How are you today? Good morning, Larry. I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm well. How can uh, I help thanks. you? Well, I appreciate your taking my call. I have two, my husband and I have two young grandchildren, brother and sister, uh, and when each of them was born, I took, I started a um, um, savings account for each of them and decided that on each, uh, I uh, put $200 in, 
and decided that on each um, birthday we would add another two hundred dollars um, but I know that's not the best way to go probably to uh, send you know for them to save money and the other grandparents give them I think silver dollars or something on their birthday and Christmas so I was just wondering what is the best plan to uh, pass on some money to our grandchildren so what do you do you want them to be able to spend it now or do you want to make, no. have it saved for college or a new home or to start a business one day? What What is your objective? My objective probably is saving it toward college. So then a 529 college savings plan would probably be the best when it comes oh. to that. Now, if you pull the money out, when, when you put money into a 529 college savings plan, the money grows tax-deferred, and as long as you're using it for what they call qualified educational expenses, it comes out completely tax-free. If you were to use it, Sandra, for, uh, I'm sorry, Judy, for something other than college, like you decided to buy a nice shiny red bicycle one day with it, then you'd have to pay taxes plus a 10% penalty. So some people say, well, the downside to the college savings plan is it's got to be used only for college. Well, yeah, that's what the goal is. Uh, on the other side, you can open up an UGMA account, which is a Uniform Gift to Minors Act account, sort of like a custodial account, where you can open it in your parent, in, I'm sorry, in your name or your kid's name for the grandkids. You control it and everything like that. However, when the kids become 18, it's their money, and they can do whatever they want with it. So, so there's a couple of different ways that you can go about saving. You know, you just have to really understand if you put the money into a college savings plan it's going to be directed towards college and you'll get tax incentives if you use it for college if you use it for something else those tax incentives go away plus a little bit of a penalty mm, I see I'm sort of interested in that second account you said the uh, unified UGMA whatever sure. it was Yep, it's, it's Uniform Gift to Minors Act and basically you're putting money away in an investment account they can use it for college if they wish. They can use it for whatever they want to. Uh, when, when you know when they're 18, um, and and you can you can add money to it uh, along the way. I think I like that. The sound of that. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I uh, I appreciate your time and your expertise, and uh, we'll check into that. Okay, no problem. If you want, I, I can send you some information on how UGMA accounts work and, um, you know, get, get get it going from there. I'll put you on hold, and we'll have someone send you out some information on it all next week. I've got a whole – I uh, actually have a whole packet on what's called custodial accounts, uniform gift to minors, uniform transfer to minors, 529s, the whole, the whole thing's right there. Oh, that sounds great. Well, thank you very much. One other quick question. What about a life – insurance policy for them is that uh, a good investment a life insurance policy on the children or on you yes. or on their parents on the children on the grandchildren to save for college uh whatever i guess <laughs> so you know back in <laughs> to tell you this Prior to 1986 and earlier, yes, it might not have been a bad idea, but some tax laws changed back then. And, and so the answer is probably not, ah. Judy, because if you have such a short window 
of, of 18 years, or as Chris and I talked about at the top of the show this morning, you know, when, when somebody's born, they have 216 years till college, right? I'm sorry, yeah. 216 months, not years, <laughs> 216 right. months till college. <laughs> yeah. um, so in order for cash values inside of a life insurance policy to really work well and really develop and mature and grow, you, you, you need 12, 15, maybe even 18 years of incubation time frame. Uh, you know, it's it, it's kind of like uh, uh, so. So most of the time, putting life insurance on a on a young child to build cash values to save for college really doesn't work out too well. There's just not a lot of time and a lot of room in order for the money to to grow, <clears throat> because you're looking at trying to overfund the life insurance policy. In other words, if the insurance company says you know two thousand dollars is the cost. Then you're going to want to stick in three or four thousand dollars to to overfund it to build that equity inside of it, and there's just not a lot of time to to really make it work. So not a fan of it for that purpose. Now, if you think they may need life insurance at some point down the road in their adult lives, it's a great time to buy it because then it's going to always be very very inexpensive. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that information. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. I'll put you on hold, and we'll send you out the information on the UGMA accounts. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and dial us up at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. You know, this week in the markets, Chris, it's going to be very interesting to see how things play out. You know, the markets held up in light of, uh, you know, no official trade agreement on Friday. Uh, who knows what's going to happen over the weekend? Maybe maybe cooler heads will prevail at both nations. We'll we'll have to see. Uh, but but um, you know, stay tuned for you know we'll be on top of it, watching it all the time. We get lots of calls during the week. If you have questions during the week, feel free to give our office a call eight five five rose one two three. We like to send out information. Uh, we want to be an educational hub for people across the nation on financial planning matters, uh, investment strategies, state planning, whatever it is that, that we're talking about. As you know, here, Open Mic Saturday, we, we cover any and all questions. Just fire them all off to us. We're, we're happy to, to, to do that. We also get lots of people going to our website. Go to our website, like us, and follow us on Facebook. We send out one little tidbit a week. We will not drown your Facebook account by any means at all, but we want to make sure that we're sending out some financial educa education. You can check it out, our library of resources on the website as well. Uh, feel free to, to use us for, for that matter as well. So when we get off the air each week, our, our toll-free number becomes our toll-free number to our office line, 855-ROSE-123. So we get lots of questions of people calling during the week. Um, I wanted to, to, to go back and sort of uh, unpack, if you will, dissect the steps in estate planning. Uh, we, we talked earlier today about the steps in building a financial plan, the objectives, how you do it, the monitoring of it. And, and by the way, the monitoring, as I mentioned, is, is the least uh, it's what people do the least, which is something they should be doing the most. Your financial plan should be going should be, should be up to date daily. Um, as a matter of fact, you can go visit our website and check it out, LarryRosenthal.com. There's a video there on how your financial plan should, should actually look. So we've got uh, just a few seconds left in the show this morning. I'll come back next week, and we'll be talking about the steps in a state planning process as well as some charitable options, how to go about doing donor-advised and pooled income funds next week on, on top of all of this. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. 
Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense.